I'd like to welcome you back to Spiritual Awareness with Pastor Davenport. We are a 501c3 nonprofit prayer ministry, a spirit-filled, Bible-believing beacon of light, a non-denominational ministry that serves the Lord Jesus Christ, both from Gospel Faith Church in Ash Fork, Arizona, as well as from the Worldwide Broadcast Studio right here in Fort Mojave, Arizona. We're now broadcasting to over 31 different countries and provinces around the world. So wherever you're hearing the sound of my voice, I'd like to welcome you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I just checked the logs and it seems that Wednesday's message uh, went to draft rather than publish. So I apologize for that. Um, We'll have to get back to that uh, on a later date. I'd like to begin today by just sending out a prayer. You know, once we begin delving into God's Word like we are here, you kind of have to commit to ordering your, your conversation aright. It tells us that in Psalms 50, 23. That is, that is being a doer of the Word, faith always has a good report. You cannot pray effectively for yourself or for someone else or about something and then talk negatively about the the matter. This is being double-minded and double-minded people receive nothing from God. James chapter 1 verse 6 and 8. But I want to go back to where we were studying the book of Ephesians for a moment. Ephesians 4 29 and 30 and the Amplified is written like this. It says, let no foul or polluting language nor evil word nor unwholesome or worthless talk ever, ever come out of your mouth. But only such speech as is good and beneficial to the spiritual progress of others, as it is fitting to the need and the occasion that it may be the blessing and give grace, God's favor, to those that hear it. And I'm going to add there, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Don't offend or vex or sadden him by whom you were sealed or we were marked or branded as God's own. For the day of redemption is near, a final deliverance through Christ from the evil and the consequences of sin. So we should be reflecting on these these words and give them time to kind of keep our, our, our perspective in line with God's will. Our Father has much, so, so much to say about the little member of the, that thing called the tongue in James chapter 3. The tongue can be evil or it can be good. It can be split. Or as my people say, the Apache, it could be a forked tongue. So give the devil no opportunity by getting into worry, unforgiveness, strife, criticism. Put a stop to the idle or foolish talking. That's in Ephesians 4, 27, 5 and 4. You are to be a, a blessing to others. That's what it's called. Be a blessing to others, those around you. Talk the answer, not the problem. Say it again. Talk the answer, not the problem. The answer is in God's word. You must have knowledge of that word. A revelation knowledge in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 16. The Holy Spirit 
which is our teacher, will reveal the things that have been freely given to us by God. That's where we are. We must continually seek God. In this series, the church, the body, and the cross. In Matthew 16, 18, and 19 is, is our, our scripture each week. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, not on Peter, but upon this rock, this revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the kings of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind upon this earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I apologize that somehow uh, on Wednesday's message, um, I have no idea. I'm not a computer person, but somehow it, it, it ended up being a draft rather than being published. So we'll work on that and try and get that back to you. So this series, this actually was a sermon I did at Revival, and I've broken it down into a series because I think it's important for today's world. So in this series about discovering God's blueprint for building his church. Now remember, the church is not the building. The church is the body of Christ. And I had given you some principles. And, of course, unfortunately, you missed a couple uh, because it didn't, it didn't publish. But we're on principle six. The power of a testimony. The power, and I'm going to change that, the power of your testimony in Acts chapter 3, verse 6, and Acts uh, 4 and 13. In Acts 3 and 6, then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. In Acts 4 and 13, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned, ignorant men, they, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they have been with Jesus Christ. So I want you to notice the events that happened in this story. Peter and John are already in the habit of praying and, and, and in unity. They pray in agreement, in one accord, setting the stage for everything that follows. Chapter 3, verse 1. The lame man, he expects to receive help with his physical need before he even thinks about his spiritual need. Chapter 3, verse 2 and 5. Okay, physical need. I need to walk. Then I'll find Jesus. So Peter and John are willing to give what they have in verse 3 and 6. When Peter said, silver and gold I have none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. What does he have? He has Jesus Christ within his heart. He has that power of the Lord. So Peter and John both are willing to give what they have. And God's miraculous work in one man's life affects all the people around there. In chapter 3, verse 9 through 11. Read it. Chapter 3, verse 9 through 11. We're in the book of Acts. Peter uses the opportunity to share a testimony. 
in verse 3, chapter 12 and 13, and 4, 9, and 10. Notice that, that Paul also shares his testimony of conversion six times in the book of Acts. And each time, each time does it a, a little different way to relate to the people around him. He needs to relate to them and let them know. The Bible lets us know that this man had been crippled for more than 40 years. But Jesus didn't do anything for the crippled man until his disciples reached out to him in 4 and 22. The encounter, coupled with prayer, brings more boldness to witnessing. In chapter 4, verse 31, how do you learn to pray? Start praying. How do you learn to witness? Start witnessing. Tell people about Jesus Christ and what the Lord has done in your life. A personal testimony is still the most persuasive means of communication between us. It's unique. There are no others just like it. It is personal and it's easy to understand. Most people say, I'm the authority on it, so it's difficult to argue with. People love a personal story, and they remember it because it's a personal story. People can relate to it, so it builds a relationship or a relational bridge, if you will. In a postmodern world like we're living in now, it is the most effective way to witness. What has Christ done for you? So there's, there's basically four parts of every testimony. What my life has, was like before I met Christ. What was your life like before you met Jesus Christ? Before you found the Lord and began to live? Before you found Jesus Christ and was saved? What common circumstances would an unbeliever identify with? For me, I was, a, I was a drug addict. I call it a junkie. I say it the way it is. I was in a war in Vietnam, in a foxhole with my best friend, who I'd known since I was a child, and watched as he took a mortar hit and held him in my arms as he died. That's personal. So what was the most important thing to you? What happened in your life that you turned to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? What substitute for God did you use to find meaning in your life? Sports, fitness, success at work, marriage, sex, making money, drugs, alcohol, having fun, entertainment, popularity, hobbies. What was it? What was your God before you found Jesus Christ? How I realized I needed Christ? I'll tell you. That shook me up. My friend Dave was married. He had children. I was a drug addict. My question to God was, why take him? Why not take me? But it was a realization 
that Christ had something for me to do. God had a need for me. So what significant steps led up to your conversion? I want you to think back. I don't want this to be fire and brimstone. I want you to take a moment to reflect and look back. What significant steps led up to your conversion? And what needs, hurts, or problems made you dissatisfied with the way you were living without God? And how did God get your attention? For me, I, I, I truly believe that he took a four by four and tripped me up because I ran from God. Every time God said, I need you, here's what I need you to do. You're going to build a church in the wilderness. I would run. I would do worse things. I'd do more drugs. I'd do more alcohol. I would, you know, I would live like hell because I was planning on going there. And one day, I truly believe God took a two-by-four and slapped me upside the head. What motivated me? I was tired of living the life I lived. So how did you commit your life to Christ? I put my a hypodermic needle in my arm. And the hand covered over it, took it out. And the hand covered my arm where I was going to shoot up the heroin. And a voice from heaven said, now, you're done. You're going to start living for me now. And so I committed my life to Christ. I committed my life to Christ in a foxhole in Vietnam. So what happened to you? What happened to you? Where did it happen? What did you say in your prayer to God when you cried out to God? You cried out to Jesus Christ for salvation. Where were you? What were you doing? The difference Christ has made in my life is astonishing. The benefits that you've experienced or felt. Even when I was homeless, I knew Jesus had me firm in his hand. So answer me this question. What problems have been resolved? And, and, and can it, Think about what, what's going on right now in your life. Think about what problems God has resolved in your life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's getting you off alcohol or drugs. How has Jesus helped you change for the better? How has Jesus helped you in your relationships? And if you become a Christian as an, as an adult, I want you to use four basic steps to compose your testimony. We'll get to those in just one moment. So if you became a Christian at an early age and walked away, 
or at any age and you walked away from God. I want you to use the same four steps, but start with the time just prior to your recommitment. If you became a Christian at an early age and never strayed, you walk the straight and narrow, use the same four steps, but point out some deep need or common problem that others struggle with and explain why you never had to experience it. Now, I know I normally am, am loud. <laughs> I know I'm passionate, but I want to be more resigned today because I want you to get this. So I kind of wrote down some suggestions for preparing yourself. One, pray and ask God to give you the right words. I pray and I ask the Holy Spirit to guide me in my prayer. Give me the knowledge. Give me the words to talk to God. And keep it short and to the point. Avoid excessive, unnecessary details. You know, I mean, you're not writing a book. You're talking to the Lord. Refer to the experiences most people have in common. Don't imply that, that all of your problem ended at that conversation. Spend the most of the time on, different, on, on the difference Jesus Christ has made in your life. And emphasize why you received Christ and the, and the benefits of doing it. That's important. And mention the benefit of being certain of your destiny when you die. I always ask that question when I give witness and when I give testimony. Before I end my testimony, I will say to the people that are listening, are you sure where you're going to spend eternity? Do you know that you know that you're going to spend eternity? We know we're. it's appointed to all mankind to die once. And so I always ask that question. Do you know where you're going to spend eternity, heaven or hell? Because you will spend eternity somewhere. Don't exaggerate or brag about pre-conversion sins. Don't make negative remarks about other religious or, or people. Don't quote a, a lot of scripture, a maximum of one or two verses. Don't answer questions that they haven't asked. The more specific you are and the more dynamic it will be. Avoid using dates and names and ages. It doesn't matter to them. What this person is listening to your testimony, speak casually and informally in a, in, a, in kind of a matter-of-fact tone. Don't dramatize or embellish your story. It's your story. And it's good. Because no matter what happened to you that caused you to turn to God, it's your personal testimony. Don't dramatize or embellish your story. Don't share mystical experiences. Share on their level, not yours. And don't talk down to people. I hear that all the time. People talking down to people. Don't sound preachy. You know, just tell them how you found God. You can use a little humor because it kind of reduces the tension and relaxes people. Smile. Choose a central theme for your testimony, you know. I found God in my life, and this is what's happened to me since. Here's where I was. 
here's where I am, and here's where I'm going to spend eternity. And remember that you have more than one testimony, I'm sure. God allows us to have many experiences in our lives so, so that we can relate to others in, in similar situations who need the Lord. Different situations will require different types of testimonies. Realize you can tell about how others live and how their lives have been changed too. You can talk about, you know, I have a friend and she did this. She found Jesus Christ. I often talk about that. I often talk about my prayer partner, Sachiko, and how she found Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit anointed her. And yes, she helps people on a broadcast of her own way over in Japan, bringing the Japanese people the word of God. Realize you can tell about how others live and change their lives. The, the Bible doesn't tell us to share our faith, but to share our hope. Faith is what you believe. Hope is the benefit of what you believe. Share the hope through Jesus Christ. Jesus called out, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for the souls of mankind. That was paraphrasing. In Matthew 4 and 19, you can read it in King James. Come follow me and I shall make you fishers of men is what the King James Version says. Following and fishing go together. When we're hunting, it's aggressive. When we're fishing, it's more gentle. When we're hunting, it's based on confrontation. But when we're fishing, it's based on attraction. When we're hunting, we go out there and we shoot them. In fishing, get them to nibble on a little bit of bait. When we're hunting, use one size fits all bullets. But when you're fishing, it allows you to try different lures. Take your best shot. It's over when you're hunting. In fishing, it requires give and take to reel it in. When you're hunting, scares animals away if you miss. But fishing, you get more than one chance. Amen? The animal has no choice during hunting, but in fishing, the fish gets a choice. In hunting, you must be a skilled shot. But in fishing, anyone can put bait in the water. So the three keys to spiritual fishing is to identify the fishing pond that you're fishing in. Learn about the kind of fish in the pond. Remember, fish get hungry at different times. So it's impossible to build a church without your testimony. That's why God saved you. That's how you build the body of Christ. Each person should have an opportunity to stand up and say what God has done for them. Why they, why they love the Lord Jesus Christ. That brings the church together. It's impossible to build a church without your testimony. That's why God saved you. In Acts chapter 4, verse 20, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a priest. All you have to be is a Christian. Amen? John chapter 9, verse 25, The man replied, I don't know 
if he is a sinner or not. All I know is that I have used to be blind, but now I can see. Hallelujah. What a sin to have a condemned man's pardon and not deliver it. I want you to understand this. What the series is about and what we do. We started out with principles and we're, that was principle six. Principle seven is kind of like Acts chapter five, verse two, and kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. I'm in Acts chapter 5, verse 2, principle 7. This is the second time in the book of Acts that everyone sold everything and laid it at the feet of the apostles, Acts 2, 44 through 45. Basically, everyone who had a job gave his entire salary into the common pool, and everyone who had a property sold it and gave the proceeds into the same fund. Then everyone in the church had their basic needs met by living in a common on the money placed in the pool. Ananias' plan was simple. He decided to give only part of his money, but to tell the apostles he was giving it all. He lied. He lied before God. By doing this, he would be able to securely save money for his wants in the future, while the church met all the needs in the present. His sin was not in having land, possessions, or money. His sin was not in choosing not to give into this particular offering, no one was being forced to give. His sin was in not giving only part of the money. That was the personal choice as well. Ananias' sin was twofold. Covetousness, wanting the flesh, what, what belongs to God, and uh, being a hypocrite, adhering to do outwardly what is true and inwardly. These sins are often closely tied together until the, under an area we call motives. The word motive simply means the real reason for your action. In a similar way, we say, this is what motivates me. My motives lead me to action. Ananias' sin begs us to ask ourselves two questions. Am I serving my flesh or am I serving God? In everyday choices, we must ask those questions. Am I serving my flesh or am I serving my God? Am I the same person in secret as I appear to be in public? That's the question we must ask. And that's the question we must answer. Now, as we close in prayer, I pray that we all submit all to God. Join me. Father, you are the supreme authority in our lives. You are a God of order, not disorder. You have instituted over authority structures that will support healthy relationships and maintain harmony within the body of Christ. It is our decision to surrender our will unto you. 
that we might find protection and dwell in the secret place of the Most High God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for, for the leaders in the church, for this broadcast, for however people seek, our, our prayer partners, those that pray for others, for the church. For the church has many arms, many branches. Those who are submitted to you and are examples to the congregation. So today I would pray that each person listening to the sound of my voice would submit to the body of Christ. Submit to you, Lord. Submit to Jesus Christ. Lord, you know just how rebellious some people have been. And I pray for forgiveness for them, for, for whatever it may be that they're asking at this time for forgiveness for. I pray for my brothers and sisters, those that are listening on the sound of my voice on this broadcast. I pray for each of them that they too should find their testimony and they too should find the ability to witness to others for Christ. It's obedience, Lord. Because obedience is far better than sacrifice. You are much more interested in my listening to you through your word than in my offerings or material things to you. Rebellion is, is, is as bad as sin. Father, you deserve honesty and honesty from the heart. May we come sincerely and truthfully. Give us this wisdom today. Sprinkle us with the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ, and I shall be clean. I shall be washed. I shall be washed whiter than snow. Once again, you have rescued me from this week. I'm sure there are things that I've done that were wrong. Yet today, when I come to you in prayer, you wash me clean by the blood of Jesus. You brought me into the kingdom of, of thy son, the son you love, in whom I am redeemed and have been forgiven of my sins. Be with me, Lord. Be with me throughout this week. Touch my heart, my soul, and let me work on my testimony that I too could speak out to others, not of their sin, but of my sin, and let them know that we serve an awesome God, and through the blood of Jesus and the grace of God, we are forgiven, and we are welcomed into the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and make his face to shine upon you once again. God bless each of you.